0: The Lord is with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift Amen. them up to the Lord. Grace and peace to you on behalf of Dean Robert Allen Hill and the Marsh Chapel community as we are a gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, present through in New England through National Public Radio, WBUR 90.9 FM, present through the webcast live at wbur.org and present through the podcast at bu.edu chapel. As we continue in our National Summer Preaching Series, we are pleased to welcome to our pulpit this morning the Reverend Dr. Robin J. Olson. Reverend Dr. Olson is an elder in the Upper New York Conference of the United Methodist Church. And serves as coordinator for spiritual life at Boston University School of Theology. We are pleased also to have with us her husband, the Reverend Dr. Christopher Evans, and their son, Andrew, and we welcome them into our midst this morning. I am the Reverend Victoria Hart Gaskell, an elder in the New England Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church and a chapel associate here at Marsh. Joining me in reading the service are Mr. Tim Hall, with Mr. Andrew Moses as cantor for the psalm. Our prayers are offered with and through the Reverend Holly Benzenhafer Redford and Mr. Soren Hessler. Our musicians this morning are the Marsh Chapel Choir, under the direction of our own Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett, who is also our organist. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your selection of personal forms of ministry among us, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. So now, beloved, rise up, now and at the invitation throughout this service, in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, in the praise and worship of God.
1: Oh, the world is my,
0: Let us pray. Almighty God, you have given your only Son to be for us a sacrifice for sin and also an example of godly life. Give us grace to receive thankfully the fruits of this redeeming work and to follow daily in the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through Jesus Christ, our your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. At the singing of the Kyrie, we are invited to confess those things which separate us from God, from ourselves, and from our neighbor. Dearly beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God.
2: A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 56, verse one and verses six through eight. Thus says the Lord, Maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer." Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: responsively verses from Psalm 67 with the end God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known upon the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the of the earth revere him. O oh, people, be glad and seeking for joy. Declare.
4: Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us, Because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, We're not Now please remain standing as we sing together Many Gifts, One Spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts prove acceptable in thy sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When my son was little, on certain spirit-filled August days, not unlike this day, he would announce that it was time for safari, and he'd place binoculars around his neck He'd don this Australian safari hat. He'd pick up his trusty Peterson guide to birds and his researcher's pen. He'd open the door, and he'd go out to explore the wonders of our backyard. Exotic jungle to him. Half acre upstate New York suburbia to me. He would raise the binoculars up high, and he'd be looking at the tippy-top of the trees. And he'd crawl belly-side down on the grass for close inspection of the native ecology. And then, with triumphant pride, he'd march back in, and he'd show his father and I his finds that he had meticulously checked off in his Peterson Guide to Birds. Mom! Check it out! Common North American Sparrow! Check! Dad! Amazonian Rainforest! Red-bellied Parrot! Check! (laughs) Blessed with imagination, he was able to cross the border from our plain backyard to a world rich with possibility. Today we are invited to cross borders from crucifixion in Jerusalem to resurrection in Emmaus, in an adventure with the risen Christ. We are invited to cross generational and cultural borders with teenagers so that our ministry may bear fruit. We are invited to cross into new perspectives, heeding the wisdom of Mark Twain, who advises us that travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. In our gospel lesson today, we go on a bit of a trip as Jesus walks with two people, Cleopas and a friend. And I like to imagine that these two are teenagers out on a hike. They're venturing from their Jerusalem city backyard out into the Burbs, seven miles west in Emmaus. They need to get up and to get away from home in order to figure out who they are. They are a bundle of all sorts of emotions and thoughts and impulses. They're curious and confused. They're kind of lost and they kind of know where they're going. They're energetic and enthusiastic and they're frightened and sad. They need to process what just happened in their lives, the torture and death of their leader Jesus, the sudden ambiguity of once clear and passionate dreams for the future. They are open to direction from whomever and whatever comes across their path. They may be like teenagers you know and love. You may be one of these sojourners who will meet our teens on their path. Well, fortunately today in our text, Jesus meets these teens. He meets them precisely where they are, and he journeys alongside them as long as it takes, as long as it takes for them to find joy and mission for life. He's like an embedded agent of God. He's right there with them, immersed in the particulars of their contexts, knowing their fears and aspirations, and constantly tapping them on the shoulder. Hey, follow me. Try this path. My yoke is easy. What you seek, you will find. There's plenty of room on the path for adults to companion with Christ and teens. In fact, teens are eager for the church to show up to enter into their world, to hang out through the thrilling, exploring times, and to hang in through the sloppy, rough times. There is nothing more exciting to me than walking beside young people and helping them to awaken to the Christ already present in their lives. I have the most fun when I get to pick up my generational passport, which is pretty clearly stamped Baby Boomer, (laughs) and I get to go and apply for a visa for Millennial World. If I am trustworthy and respectful and enthusiastic, I am granted the visa and I get to walk beside young disciples. I get to learn the language and the social norms and the worldview of the OMG generation. And I get to be an evangelist, a bearer of the good news, know the great news, know the astounding life transforming news, the oh my God. God is so good news in Jesus Christ. So let's put on our safari hats. Let's get our binoculars out. Let's bust open the doors of the church and go on a journey with teen disciples. And let's walk together in these moments, not because we're worried about church membership roles or the future of a denomination. Let's go for the joy of it. It seems to me that Jesus suggests three practices in this text today for we who would be border crossers in ministry with teens, let's take a moment to look at the practices of curiosity, of witnessing, and of action. First, curiosity. Jesus is curious here. He goes up to Cleopas and the friend. He joins them stride for stride, and he starts asking them questions. at Weems, an expert in church leadership, says good leaders ask good questions. Leaders don't have all the right answers, they ask the right questions. Jesus clearly does that here. He says, hey guys, what are you talking about? Where are you going? What happened in Jerusalem? Who are you? And he gets them talking. Be curious about Planet Teenager. I found it helpful when preparing for foreign travel to read some guidebooks, to take out those binoculars and check out the far horizon to get a lay of the land. As an aging baby boomer who grew up with a rotary phone, who thinks a Bluetooth is cause for visiting a dentist, and who remembers stores closing on Sundays, really? If I want to be relevant, I need to understand that the world has changed. Who are you? asks Jesus. With our far horizon vision, we see that teens are members of a generation, often named the millennials, in recognition of their coming of age at the turning of the millennium, a generation of people born from about 1982 on. With generational theorists, notably Neil Howe and William Strauss, we observe that they are optimistic, plugged in electronically, global-oriented, team players, pressured to succeed and yet sheltered at the same time by we famous helicopter parents. They have been raised to know that they are precious and special and unique, and at the same time, they are inspired to work together for the common good. It's interesting when I look at this generation and they are not very much like my coming of age bumper sticker question authority, but they are much more like the GI generation. Like Tom Brockow's greatest generation, civic minded and dedicated to offering their lives to make a difference. In fact, Howe and Strauss coined millennials as the next great generation. Here's an astounding fact there are more members of the millennial generation than there were people on the planet in 1950. More members in this generation than people on the planet in 1950. Ten years ago, Howe and Strauss wrote about them. and said that they were a revolution in the waiting. And so we curious travelers who have been paying attention might think perhaps this revolution has moved from waiting to coming of age. As we note youth-led movements for freedom earlier this year sweeping across North Africa in Morocco and Algeria, Egypt, Tunisia. Fascinating far horizon check curiosity. But in our safari ethnography, of course we'll want to get down on our bellies for a close inspection of indigenous culture. To know the kids in our zip code. To know those in our congregation in our mission field. We could do this literally like the time I invented under pew races as our youth activity for the evening. I divided up the youth group into tag teams and we started at the back of the nave and you had to crawl underneath the pews, tag your partner and then that partner would crawl back under and you went back and forth to see who could do it fastest. Let me tell you, it's not easy and I was definitely a handicap to my team. (laughs) I learned that youth are inventive and kind for the winning team offered to spray themselves with pledge and do it again so they could save our sexton the trouble of dusting. I served as a youth pastor in a large congregation with 150 active teenagers from 16 different high schools. We enjoyed sophisticated systems of youth ministry, dedicated youth space, clearly articulated um, youth mission that was wholeheartedly supported by the congregation. We had meals and programs and mission trips and Bible studies and procedures and protocol. I led 10 volunteer adult counselors who were sometimes intimidated by our lists of desired outcomes and purpose statements And so every once in a while, I would say with the adult counselors, okay, let's review your job description. And I think they expected me to take the youth ministry manual out. But I said, your job description is love the kids. Can you do that? We're not asking you to be a Bible scholar. We're not insisting on mastery of the egg in the armpit relay race. But can you love them? Do you like teenagers just the way they are? Or do they drive you crazy and you just wanna change them? Sometimes we well-intentioned folks cross borders to fix those kids. Let's show them how to do and be church the right way. But we are called to love them and to love them, we must know them. But it doesn't stop there. Second practice, witnessing, Along the way to Emmaus, Jesus questions, he listens, and then he tells them his story. He shares a witness with them. He unpacks the traditions of Moses and the prophets, and he interprets the events in Jerusalem as this unfolding drama in salvation history. We are called to cultivate disciples of Jesus Christ. We don't cross borders only to learn best practices for building community. We are not just mentors for civic engagement. We are spiritual companions so that through incarnational witness, the very face of Christ can be discerned. My safari-loving son is now 15, and he went on his first mission trip with his youth group this summer. They went uh, to rebuild homes from Katrina Damaged uh, location in Biloxi, Mississippi. Each day, his wonderful youth pastor, Reverend Jamie Green, engaged in a spirit of inquiry, and she asked the group, where did you see God today? Who was the face of Christ for you today. And they answered, in the people we served, in the patience and trust I learned, in the love we put into action. I recall a teen mission trip I led to a United Methodist site in Ohio. The theme for the week was, we are the body of Christ. I wanted kids to engage with the Bible, not as a dusty ancient ideal, but as a living means of grace. I wanted them to embody the word. And so we started tattooing. Each day I had the group tattoo a scripture on a different body part. Now by tattoo, I mean semi-permanent marker. The first day was biceps. And so you got a friend to write on your bicep, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, from Philippians 4. The second day, we all were inscribing our feet. Walk humbly with your God, from Micah 6. The third day was a little challenging for some of them. They were a little squeamish, but they did it. And that was to write around the belly button, from Psalm 139. God knit me together in my mother's womb. You, You get the idea. For service, week, for service work on that week, our large group of 50 was split up into smaller teens. I went with teens to put a new roof on Heather's house. Heather was a young widow, raising two daughters on her own. The poverty of her living conditions was a stark contrast to the suburban blessings of our teens. Heather was covered with tattoos. Now by tattoos, I mean the indelible kind. You couldn't help but notice that some of them were elaborate and colorful, and some were simple and incomplete. Our teens were awkward and uncharacteristically shy. They didn't know how to start conversation with Heather, and Heather was equally shy. But towards the end of the week, Heather became a border crosser, and she approached our teens on a water break. She said, what's with all those words all over your body? Well, the teen who had been struggling with our belly button day, he gave me one of those withering, you are so embarrassing me looks that teens have perfected. But another teen said, Oh, Robin is teaching us that we are the body of Christ. Heather thought about it for a moment. And she said, you know, my husband used to say that my body was his canvas. And she opened up and she told us her story. We sat down on the grass and listened. She told us about her husband who had died the year before. He had known that he was dying of kidney failure. He was a tattoo artist and he wanted to teach her the trade so she would have a way to support herself once he died. He was very worried about her. The doctors wouldn't allow him to get any more tattoos and so he taught her on the canvas of her own body. She pointed to the beautiful tattoos and she said he did these. And then she pointed to the sort of wobbly, funny looking ones and she said, I learned here. She said, each tattoo reminds me of how much he loved me. That once embarrassed teen, well he met her in that common place where borders are no more. He extended his hand and he showed her the Ephesian inscription of the day that said, you are God's handiwork. He shook her hand and said, Heather, I guess you are God's handiwork. They sat and talked for a very long time. That evening, the teen shared in our devotions, you know, we're all the hands and feet of Christ. Us on the roof and... Heather and her kids inside, I learned so much today. We are called to give witness to the transforming love of God in Christ. And finally, I just want to say a brief word about the practice of action. It's been embedded all along in our practices of curiosity as we get to know who teens are and in the practice of witnessing as we imagine effective ways to communicate the gospel. Cleopas and his friend practice this Latin term called salvitur ambulando, Latin for it is solved in the walking, a practice that labyrinth walkers know well. We'll figure it out in the doing. They get up and they do the things that Jesus did, whether or not they fully understand it yet. In fact, as you see, it's only when the two disciples do precisely what Jesus did, invite a stranger home for dinner, that they recognize who Christ is. One of the things that teenagers can teach us is the value of being doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Teens do not sit around a conference table and wait until every system is in place, until every contingency is anticipated, until every operations manual is updated. No, they have faith that Christ is going to show up and Christ is going to provide as long as we are out there walking on our journeys. And by the way, won't it be fun to see how it all happens? Finally, on another mission trip, this time on an 11-hour trip, a drive to rural Kentucky, our caravan of vehicles uh, labored up around to the top and then down and around Appalachian Mountains, up one, down, and through so many mountains. It was a very, very rural area. I and the other adults who were driving were white knuckled with some fear as we tried to keep our focus on the road ahead of us and not this precipitous drop cliff at the very edge of our wheels. When we finally arrived at our mission accommodations, we were two hours late. We were hungry. We were tired. It was pitch dark and it was raining buckets. One of our vans had been sent ahead to scout out the place for us. The first person I saw when I arrived was the counselor who had been sent on reconnaissance and she did not look happy. Robin, I really do not think this is going to work. Well, great, I've got 50 kids here for a week. (laughs) I looked around and I saw what she meant. We were standing in a coal mine adapted as a bunkhouse, very, very short on the adapting part. I walked ahead a bit by myself, trying to think of something positive that I could say when the complaints started coming my way. And then a ninth grader on his very first mission trip came sprinting up to me. Here it comes, I thought. Oh, here it comes. He skidded to a stop. He looked me directly in the eyes and he said with a big grin, Robin, isn't this perfect? and he bolted off again to share his excitement with his friends. Friends, we are called to companion with young people as they crawl under and tattoo along and run through this holy path of faith formation. We are called to learn from young disciples so much more than we could ever teach them. And at the end of the day, Let us run back to our friends with enthusiastic witness and proclaim, isn't it perfect? Thanks be to God. Amen.
5: the light of this hour we pause now to still our minds to be receptive to spirits presence to quieten our hearts to hear the beating of Christ's universal heart to breathe deeply and infuse our living with God's grace as the choir leads us to sing the call to prayer lead me Lord I invite you to take a position of prayer that is most receptive to you, to stand, to sit, to come forward and kneel, to move into profound stillness, or to move as spirit moves you. We bring the burdens and pleasures, the joys and cares of our nights and days to God. I will set the intention of our prayer by saying, Holy One, and please respond, hear our prayer. And now may we sing. For those who live in households of chaos and unpredictability, who never know what to expect, who cannot make plans for the future or even for tomorrow, who wait for the next outburst, who feel isolated and unheard, who don't want to go home, Holy One, hear our prayer for those who are in new places, who must learn new routines, new schedules, new names, new routes to travel, who feel excited and anxious and lonely at the same time, who seek anything that is familiar, who long to hear from or see someone who knows them well. Holy One, hear our prayer. For those who are caught in the daily cycle, who have lost sight of their goals, who have forgotten how to dream, who are afraid to take a chance no matter how small, who have become comfortable being too tired or too busy to do what they are called to do, Holy One, hear our prayer. For those who are trying new things, who have been encouraged and now encourage others, who reach out to the world with arms wide, who smile at strangers, who approach life looking for possibilities, Holy One, hear our prayer. For those who are caught in the crossfire of war and civil unrest, who have watched those they call beloved die before them, who sit in fitful fear, who search for reason why life is the way it is, who look for someone to blame for their pain, who cry out but are not heard. Holy One, hear our prayer for those who have found violence and death at their doors this week, who find their neighborhoods and roadways to be places of terror, who opened the doors of their workplaces to assailants, who sought to offer treatment and aid and were beaten or reviled, who walked the streets of their communities and were victimized, who sought justice in their grief but found no solace. Holy One, hear our prayer. For those who work to protect others, who walk and run into harm's way to offer assistance, to see the horrors of life in their investigations and stay with the cases until they are solved, who know the plots that are averted that will never be publicized, who save lives as part of their daily job. Holy One, hear our prayer. For those who hope for healing, who move among us in constant pain, who are trapped by bodies or minds or addictions that will not give them relief, who long for answers, who wait for a breakthrough, a new treatment, another opinion, Holy One, hear our prayer. And for those souls we silently name within our hearts, Holy One, hear our prayer. Indeed, Holy One, hear our prayer as we give voice to the prayer you modeled for us
6: peace of the Lord be always with you. you. Good morning. My name is Elizabeth Fonby Hall. I'm the Director of Hospitality here at Marsh Chapel. I'd like to welcome all of you today um, to worship with us. I want to especially welcome our guest preacher this morning, Reverend Dr. Robin Olson. She'll be with us next week as well. Thank you, Reverend Olson, for being here. First, I'd like to direct your attention to the Red Books, which can be found Um, along the central aisle on each pew. If you just take a few moments to fill those out so that we can get to know you here at Marsh and also so that you can get to know the names of those who are seated next to you. That would be wonderful. For those of you who listen on the radio that are curious about joining us in person, we do offer child care during the worship services, as well as free parking behind the College of Arts and Sciences. For more details, please see our website, www.bu.edu. I'd like to encourage all of you to check out our website for information about online giving, um, about the Marsh Chapel alumni community, and also about our September 11th observance. Now walk in love as Christ loves us an offering and sacrifice to God.
5: Gracious God, giver of many gifts, companion on life's journey, let these gifts help us cross borders, help us to engage in curiosity, witness, and action. We pray in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.
4: Addiction, which is timeless and yet was written half a millennium ago by St. Teresa. Christ has no body now on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion is to look out to the world. Friends, go in peace and joy to love God and serve your neighbor. Amen.